Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and good afternoon. Welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth, and the Patriots are back to feeling good about themselves, I think is a way we can put it, a 50-10 to victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. The Pats offense now has three games scoring over 45 points, Alex, against Cleveland, the Jets, and now Jacksonville. But whenever you watch a game like this, and when I watch it back on the film, I have to think to myself, how much of a curve do I have to grade this on, right? How much of this is about the Jacksonville Jaguars, who not only are 2-14 and and look like they're going to pick number one overall again for the second consecutive year, but they were also missing almost half their roster due to COVID-19 on top of the fact that they are such a bad team anyways. So a banged up bad Jacksonville Jaguars team, what is replicable in the postseason and what was the Jaguars is I think a really good question we have to ask in this, in this podcast, but I want to focus mostly uh, not on shitting all over Jacksonville, but talking about, what we think are foundational elements of this win that the Patriots can use moving forward. So, I mean, I think the big thing, and I talked about this last week is just the confidence and Bill, it was it Bill or Josh said, you know, we feel good when we play good. And I think that that's, they, they just needed that. You look at, you know, how Damian Harris is hyping players up on the sideline on every play on the video, the Patriots released that clip that's gone around of Bill Mack, Damian Harris and Kendrick Bourne just all laughing on the sideline, which by, by the way, I think that's your offensive core, you know, moving forward, your young offensive core of Mac Bourne and Harris, um, at least in terms of leadership. Um, I, I think you take that moving forward outside of that. Maybe there's some conversations in the short term you can have about Nikhil Harry versus Christian Wilkerson. Um, you know, besides that, yeah, it's, it, it's tough to look into it again. Anything I say, I'm going to just come back to, well, it gives them a foundation. Like Isaiah Wood had a great Isaiah Wynn had a great game. Who do you I, I, who do you have a great game going up against? I mean, Josh Allen dropped back into coverage mostly, so he didn't face him a ton. Um, but it just feels like he needed to see he needed to have that game where it helps him feel better. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, who didn't play last week, kind of shaking the rust off, things like that. So I think it all goes back to momentum and and mentality in this one. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. I think that that's probably the biggest takeaway is mojo right you, you got your mojo back a little bit in this game Mac Jones in particular feeling himself consistently after making big plays in this game every single time they 
made a big run or a big pass. It felt like I saw Mac Jones dancing, celebrating. You watch the first Christian Wilkerson touchdown when he rolls out the Tiger Woods fist bump that Mac Jones gives after throwing that touchdown pass. You could tell that that one felt good. You could tell that the fake bubble screen throw to Christian Wilkerson on the second touchdown felt really good for him to hit that play down the field. So the biggest thing is mojo, is gusto, is confidence. And that, I think, speaks a little bit to what we were talking about before the game. And that was that week seven win over the Jets where, yeah, it was the Jets. Yeah, they beat them 54 to 13. None of those things really uh, mattered in terms of that's how good the Patriots were because the Jets are, are also a terrible operation, although they're getting better as of late. But most importantly, it gave the Patriots the confidence of we can do this. We can do all the right things. We can press all the right buttons and we can out talent and overwhelm a bad team. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I forget if it was, again, I forget if it was McDaniels or Bill who said, you know, I think it was McDaniels who said to see the fruits of your labor pay off, right? I think that's just what it was. It's, hey, you know, you lose a couple games and maybe forget, why am I coming in? Why am I busting my ass? Why am I doing all this? And then you have a game like that. And I think it just kind of validates all of that. And I thought that's what it was last time. And I'm not saying you're going to, you know, if the Patriots again roll off seven straight wins, then Evan, we're, we're covering a parade. Uh, right. I'm not necessarily saying that's going to happen, but I think that this team kind of, you know, and it happens with young teams. It's true for young teams. Uh, the Bengals kind of got in a rut uh, a couple weeks ago, and then they blew out. I don't remember who they blew out. They blew out somebody, um, and they've been kind of on a roll ever since. So, I they just kind of needed uh, they just kind of needed to see one go through, and they did. They they won. I, I had said if they lose by any or if they win by any less than three touchdowns, I'd be worried, and they they put that right to bed. Yeah, also, definitely. Let's go Jets. As as I've always said, let's go Jets. Noted Jets fans here this week. It, it definitely feels like a a young team thing that maybe yeah. You, when you start to play well, that starts to snowball into good things and consistently win after week, week after week. But then when you play poorly, that also snows a ball, snowballs on you negatively. And I, I think that that's definitely something that teams that haven't necessarily been there before as a core, teams that don't have experienced quarterbacks like a Tom Brady that wins consistently year in and year out, that can ride the ebbs and flows of the season. I think Mac Jones, he said it after the Colts game that they were feeling sorry for themselves at at one point, right? So I think that there is definitely something to be said for that. Now, with all that said, when we get into the actual game, there was one thing that I really liked about talking about blueprints and foundations and things like that. And that was mostly on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to get to that in a second on the offensive side of the football. I I wish I could come on here on the show and I wish I could have written this morning. And I I know that I got, uh, you know, I I posted my film review of the game and I knew it wasn't going to be a popular take amongst a lot of Patriots fans. I want to come on the show and be extremely positive and say that I thought that they blew doors off Jacksonville, that all these things are, are, are going great, that the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. Trust me, it's more fun for us, Alex, if we get to cover a team that's going to the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that's oh, yeah. that's what we want to be doing. Then we get to go to the Super Bowl like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, when I watched this tape back, I felt the same way as I did about the Patriots offense coming off the, the loss to Buffalo. And that is, if you give Mac Jones 
the underneath stuff. If you give him the ability to attack shallow zone coverage, if you allow him to hunt for the with the football in the red zone like they did, if you give him his sweet spots like Jacksonville did, then he can really ring up the points and he can shred defenses even at this level. The concern that I had from this tape is four, five, six different times, they tried to dial up a shot play down the field where they ran a vertical concept and try to get receivers up the field. And they still, even against the Jaguars, couldn't defeat press man coverage down the field. They couldn't get open. They couldn't get off press man. Now, granted, Nelson Aguilar is not in this game, right? He's still out with the concussion. That's a big one to be missing from that vertical element to your passing game. But this offense still feels to me like they're operating in a 20-yard box from the line of scrimmage. Everything has to happen in that space, sideline to sideline, within 20 yards, and they're not threatening anybody past that. And I, I, if you can't get deep on Jacksonville and you can't create some downfield opportunities against the Jaguars as a receiving corps, even if it is Christian Wilkerson out there instead of Nelson Aguilar at the X, I have some concerns. And I would also say that it's not just the receivers. The receivers – had struggles getting open down the field. Christian Wilkerson dropped a catchable pass in the end zone that probably would have made me feel a little bit better about this. But the whole offense as a whole right now is not explosive. It's not vertical in any sense of the word. And my concern going into the playoffs is that when a good defense like Buffalo or a good defense like Tennessee, if you're playing one of those teams and – they have the ability and the personnel to game plan you out of your short game. What's the Patriots plan B as a passing game? What can they go to and can they present a vertical element that allows them to then back off the short stuff and open up that? Cause that's clearly what their strength is as an offense is the short game. And that's fine. Right. But if that's going to be your strength, you have to make defenses at least somewhat respect your ability to go down the field. Yeah, and I talked about this last week. I think that's Nelson Aguilar, right? And not him not being on the field allows teams to play the Patriots differently. I don't even think that Christian Wilkerson, as much as he did, teams are going to respect him the same way. I think teams will let the Patriots beat them with Christian Wilkerson, right? Um, Yeah. So, again, I don't know that they have that elite press man beating wide receiver. I think that's towards the top of their list of needs this offseason. But I do think that, that intermediate to deep offense. I think those opportunities just look a little different with Christian Wilkerson in the lineup uh, with, uh, sorry, with Nelson Aguilar in the lineup, because he does dictate the defense and giving help over the top and leaving that safety over the top because he will win one-on-one down the field and teams have to respect that. So yeah, I'm not necessarily saying that they're fine offensively, but I think the issues we've seen from the offense the last two weeks, at least they can be fixed enough in the short term, just by the return of Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, I think this week, and I don't know if Aguilar is going to play in this game against Miami, but even though the Dolphins aren't playing for anything in terms of the playoffs, they are a defense that can come up and press you and play man-to-man with the best of them, right? So the Patriots will almost get a little bit of a warm-up in this Dolphins game about whether or not they can do this. But it was alarming to me, and there was that one play that I keep on going back to, I can't get out of my head, where Mac Jones recognizes pre-snap that they're in cover one man because the motion uh jacoby goes in motion uh they get he gets followed in man-to-man they have the single high safety up top and he goes from under center to shotgun and he spreads them out right and he it goes from a run pay, play to a pass play they send three guys vertically up the field 
on vertical routes, nobody gets open. Nobody, right? All three guys. Now, Kendrick Bourne, I thought, had the best chance out of all three. The safety help went to Myers over the top on the corner route. And maybe Kendrick Bourne had a, a half a step or a full step on his man that if you want to try to drop it in the bucket, you can make that throw. But nobody gets all that open. And you're talking about going up against the Jacksonville defense where the, you, you should be able to get open against these guys, right? You, you should be able to get open down the field against Jacksonville. And the Patriots weren't able to do it. I think the other thing that I, I would feel better about it as well, if the Patriots were this elite yak offense, right? If they were picking up yards after the catch in bunches and we talked to Josh McDaniels today, and I thought it was really interesting how he said that Kendrick Bourne moves at a different speed when he has the ball in his hands. So something tells me that there's more to Kendrick Bourne than what we've seen so far. And maybe we'll get some of that once we get into the postseason because he's the one guy that really seems to have the ability to create after the catch at a high level, right? He he ranks very highly in uh, rush, uh, yards over expected on, on yak plays and things like that. And you can tell that he moves at a different speed. So maybe Bourne's the answer to this. But if they were an elite yak unit like those teams and from 2010 to 2012 2013 they didn't necessarily have elite downfield threats but what they did have is some guys that could definitely pick up yards after the catch Gronk Hernandez Welker you know those types of players this team doesn't have that either so they're not an explosive offense they're not explosive after the catch and they're not explosive vertically down the field and to me, that it's very easy to defend. It feels very easy to defend. And and I hope that I'm wrong. I hope they can go into the playoffs and unlock a different element of this offense that we haven't seen yet. But from what we've seen so far, especially when they go up against good teams and even at times against this uh, Jacksonville team, I, I don't really care too much about the short stuff against Jacksonville. They were giving it to Mac Jones. It was wide open all game long. He did a nice job of taking what was there and, and exp exposing their coverages. But I mean, come on, that, that was, that was like a kid stealing, you know, an adult stealing from a child. Right. I mean, it was, it was not a fair fight. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I again, I think they have, I, you're, I think you're underselling it a little bit. I think they certainly could be more explosive and that's something you need to address in the off season. But again, I think Aguilar coming back gives them some of that downfield threat. And in terms of running after the catch, I think Kendrick Bourne's been, good with that we haven't really seen him involved in a while yeah uh, but when he's involved heavily he's very good with the ball in his hands I think he's a guy that should be involved more uh, I, I happen to believe that before this conversation I also think that Johnny Smith is a guy who can be elite with the ball in his hands and he hasn't been yeah. involved at all and I don't know if he's somebody that can get involved quickly enough to make a difference in the playoffs but I do think and look, is that ultimately enough? No, you know, they're still not on the level of the elite offenses in the league, even if the, even with those guys playing at the, you know, the top level of what they can do. But I think they do have enough where they can somewhat bandage over some of those issues, at least for the rest of this season before they get a chance to add. We're going to take a quick break to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code 
CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball to football to NHL boxing and UFC right to your Vegas favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. I think the other thing that I, I want to make clear, I haven't really mentioned Mac Jones as a problem at all in any of this, right? I, I really don't feel like he's, the main issue or even the biggest issue does he have the strongest arm in the world no uh, is he somebody that's going to be able to make these tight window throws 30 40 yards down the field on a rope no he, he can't do those types of things but I, I feel like if those downfield opportunities presented themselves more often and with more efficiency that mac jones would hit the throws i i, I mean look at the they, they finally get somebody open down the field with Christian Wilkerson and he puts the ball right on his hands. Right. So I, I don't think that that's, it's as big of a Mac Jones issue as it is the guys around him, but I think it's exacerbated by the fact that Mac Jones is not a, a proficient down the field thrower right now at the NFL level that he can't, he's not going to take these three guys that are undrafted uh, wide receivers and, make it uh, look much better than it is down the field, right? He, he's only dealing right. with what he's working with. Whereas at the short game, I think he can elevate the guys that are around him. So not a Mac Jones problem necessarily. You mentioned Christian Wilkerson a few times. I wanted to talk about him as well. And, and the Nikhil Harry discussion uh, too. Do you feel like you've seen Nikhil Harry play his last snaps in the Patriots uniform? And it's Christian Wilkerson who's not signed to the 53. He reverted back to the practice squad as is NFL rules. You know, everybody that gets called up for the game and reverts back. The Patriots, at least from what I, my knowledge, don't have any current plans to sign Christian Wilkerson to the 53, uh, but definitely a player that flashed enough in that game. And it does. it is a bummer that he dropped the touchdown because he did the same exact thing in the preseason. He dropped this very similar throw in the preseason as well, but certainly somebody that brings some juice to that spot and can get up the field and can do some things that Nikhil Harry simply cannot. Yeah, I'm trying to look right here. I can't remember because Wilkerson was a standard elevation, right, on Sunday. And I can't remember if he's been a standard elevation again or a COVID elevation. Oh, it is a standard elevation. Okay, so he can't be called back this week. So what I, in, in terms of your first question, right, do I think Nikhil Harry's played his last snap with the Patriots? What I think is, and, and it was really interesting, Bill had, let me pull this quote up now because I don't want to misquote him and I should have had this all ready before the show this is on me but bill basically said something along the lines of they didn't tell Nikhil harry to they told Nikhil harry to basically stay home on sunday yeah if i can find the quote here it is um i feel like he earned the opportunity here he made a couple good plays yesterday to help the team so it's really kind of a week-to-week thing on who we activate who's at the game who isn't and so forth that to me tells me to kill harry wasn't in the building on sunday yeah. I don't know if you read it the same way I do, but that's how I feel. And I wonder if this is, what's that uh, that Christmas movie where the guy, or maybe it's not a Christmas movie, but the ghost shows the guy what life would be like without him in order to try to get him to change. You know what I'm talking about, yes. right? I wonder if that's a Patriot saying, Nikhil, here's what it looks like without you, right? right. And now, because I think there was a, it, it looked like a lack of effort from him against Buffalo. And now I wonder if there's an opportunity where, hey, Here's what it looks like without you. We don't need you here. You have to show us why we should keep you here. Now he gets a redemption chance against Miami. They kind of sit him down to show him what the deal is. 
Now they bring him back and he's playing for his job against Miami. I do think, by the way, because not only, look, Wilkerson dropped the pass. He did. I'm not saying he's there long-term situation as a wide receiver one, despite what some callers into 98 by the sports upset, but wait, 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 who, who is the caller specifically? I don't, I don't, I don't know who the callers are. It was an insane call. It was a nuts call. Should never call again. There, there um, was one person though, that you did know. Who I don't know. Was. I don't know who's calling. I, I also, <laughs> I'll say this on Wilkerson. I think he was able to get some separation, right? Um, He brings some, he does bring some speed to the offense and he actually played well in kick coverage, which wasn't talked about a ton, but the Patriots yeah. special teams haven't been, I don't want to say they're in bad, but they haven't been to the level we expect them to be. To yeah, the we're going to get to that. Are. Yeah. So if he's creating separation, he's helping cover kicks. I know football doesn't have a playoff roster. Like that's a baseball term, but the practice squad elevations reset for the playoffs and they're unlimited. So basically as long as they're in the playoffs, they could keep elevating uh, Christian Wilkerson. Nikhil Harry or not, I would love to see Christian Wilkerson get on that playoff roster. I think he's earned that much. How much he plays, I don't need to see him a ton on offense. I think he's a nice option here and there. Um, but he is, I think, you know, I think if you're building the roster of the best 55 players on this team, I'd put him on there. Well, remember back in training camp when we were talking about Christian Wilkerson a lot because he was one of those guys that we talked about during training camp, right? Wilkerson was working out a lot with Matthew Slater and the and Justin Bethel and the other special teams guys all summer long. And I'm assuming he's done that all season long, right? I, I would think right. that, that hasn't changed. So he's somebody that they've been grooming as another special teams guy, not hopefully somebody that can contribute a little bit more on offense than maybe a Matthew Slater does right. right but certainly somebody that uh is a, a core special teamer of the future for like team. like brandon bolden yeah yeah exactly like brandon bolden and when you look at what he brought to the x spot is separation ability speed right as some sort of burst there now granted right. even the, a little size i'd say yeah the the downfield throw the the second touchdown pass was on a schemed play right i mean they get right. jacksonville to bite on the bubble screen and he sneaks behind that's not necessarily christian wilkerson's amazing speed down the field but some of the other catches that he made in the game uh, the crosser on the back end line on the first touchdown from mac jones those types of plays i don't know if Nikhil harry makes those plays I, I don't think that that necessarily suits his skill set or is something that they're even thinking about doing with Nikhil Harry. Now, to me, is this Nikhil Harry's last? Is he ever going to play again for the Patriots? As Bill Belichick said in that answer that you read, it's going to come down to game plan. It's going to come down to what their plan is going into a game in the playoffs. Are they going to be extremely run heavy? Because if they're going to go and play Buffalo, for instance, and they feel like it's Buffalo and on wildcard weekend and it's 20 degrees out and it's supposed to snow during the game and we're talking about another 40 runs against the Bills, Nikhil Harry is going to be active. I, I mean, I, I really feel that way. I think Nikhil Harry is going to be active solely because of his blocking. Now, that doesn't mean that Christian Wilkerson can't be active as well, but it definitely feels like Nikhil Harry will have a role in certain game plans depending on how the Patriots decide that they want to play it. I don't know if I necessarily agree that with that, but that's how it feels to me. I think Christian Wilkerson did a, a great job in this game of what they asked him to do. Would have been ideal if he caught the deep pass, but look, you can't catch them all, and, and the Patriots seem to have a player that 
at least when Nelson Aguilar is out of the lineup, it's another player that can play a little bit on the outside that can get up the field. I right. thought that the other deep ball that he threw to him on the right sideline, did he sep- did he get over the top and run away from the guy? No, but he at least had a little bit of separation there. I actually thought he had a step on the defender and the ball should have been more catchable by Mac. That was the one throw down the field from Mac Jones in the game where I, I was a little nitpicky with it and thought he could have made a more catchable pass. And I thought Wilkerson at least stacked the guy and, and gave him a chance down the field. So a great game from Christian Wilkerson or a great showing from Wilkerson. I think the special teams thing is really important. And by the way, well. I'll just throw this in. I don't know what you thought. I, he held his own as a blocker. I yeah. thought in the run game, it wasn't spectacular, but I thought he, he was yeah. fine. It was good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, the, the, the fact is, is I understand that they care about the wide receivers blocking. Uh, certainly Nikhil Harry's role as a blocker uh, are some higher stress situations that they're not going to put Christian Wilkerson in, right? He's not right. necessarily going to be crack blocking. He's not going to necessarily be a blocking at the point of attack consistently like Nikhil Harry does, but as a wide receiver, I would say perimeter blocking, especially in blocking down the field, is just about effort. If you are yeah. a speed bump, then you're, you've done your job. Just get in the guy's way, hold him up for an extra second, and give the ball carrier a chance to make something happen with the football away from the defender. No one's asking him to pancake guys into right. the sidelines, right? Well, especially Wilkerson, 6'1", 215. He's going to be bigger than most corners. Yeah. Yeah, so I think he's a big guy. I, I think that he's got some juice. I like what I saw. I I think the on top obviously was nice, but it I think it was enough certainly against a team like Jacksonville. One last thing on the offensive side of the ball, that two head monster that they have when they have uh, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson healthy and yeah. rolling at the same time, that is a scary duo for the rest of the NFL. Been trying to tell you, it's definitely a lot of fun on the fact that they can keep both of them fresh, right? And and one right. drive a Ramondre drive, one drives a Damian drive. They can essentially run the same blocking schemes with either guy. Yeah, they're pretty interchangeable. I don't think that they change a whole lot in terms of play calling. So when you get into January, I mean, this is what the Patriots will have offensively. They got a great offensive line, especially run blocking, especially when they go 6-0 line with Mike Onwenu. And they have two backs that are elite. I, they truly are elite. They you look at some of the advanced metrics. They all say that those two guys are elite at creating yards after contact and creating yards over expected and uh, adding value to their runs. We talk so much about running backs don't matter. I think those are two guys that do matter slightly uh, to their production. And it's not just all offensive line. Ramondre in particular, and I, Damon Harris, we've seen him run hard and run well for a couple of years now. So I guess I'm, you know, used to watching him play and play well. Ramondre Stevenson's ability to bounce runs to the corner is he's got a different gear. Uh, I think that when he, when he's able to do that, he, he sees it bottled up inside his touchdown run. I think it was the second one where things are bottled up inside and he just has that ability to bounce to the edge, right. And, and be able to turn the corner and get to the pylon. Uh, that's a really fun element of it as well. I'm not so sure the Patriots coaches love him moving laterally like that, but he bounces so quickly and he has so much lateral burst that he's able to get away with it. And, uh, they have to respect the runs inside and outside when both these guys are on the field. When Damian Harris uh, cut that run back on the crack toss, almost went in from about eight, nine yards out early on in the game, 
you can't just flow to the sideline anymore, right? When you see crack toss, you can't just go out to the perimeter and, and uh, prevent him from turning the corner because he can cut it back. He can cut it back through the middle of the defense and he can make things happen. So that is what the Patriots will lean on, I'm sure, in the playoffs. And I, I know that they're going to try to run the ball and run it effectively. And these two backs definitely give them an opportunity to do so. Yeah. Can I just answer something that's being talked about in the chat real quick? Yes. Patriots aren't signing Antonio Brown. Oh, my gosh. No. Nope. No, no, no. He hasn't no, been no, cut no. yet. My, I don't know if you feel the same way, Alex. Uh, maybe you feel the the week that Tom Brady left might be worse than than this. But my worst week on the job since I got on the beat in 2018 was the week that Antonio Brown was here. That was an interesting. That was probably the most mentally taxing week. Brady leaving was the worst, but. That was a whirlwind because it was like, was he going to get cut? He got cut. Would they sign him? They signed him. Yeah. Holy crap. They have Antonio Brown with all these other great receivers. And it was like awesome. And then the news dropped about the sexual harassment thing or whatever it was. I apologize. I used the wrong term there. It was an instant cyclone, right? He signs really. It, it was the definition of a roller coaster. Yeah. It was an instant cyclone. He signs here. The allegations come out right about about the it was like tuesday night i think he signed saturday because we were talking about would he beat the game sunday they beat the steelers in the opener and then yeah tuesday night those allegations came out yeah then he's at patriot place on instagram live at tv 12 remember i was at i was yeah because i went to patriot's place i saw yeah he's doing all of that then he goes and he plays in miami and he and he catches the touchdown pass from Brady. It was just an absolute disaster from start to finish. Yeah, and it was really something that I I don't want to relive and have no desire to relive whatsoever. Huh. I I, I apologize about my camera. I hope you guys can hear me. I don't know what's going on. Hey, trust me, connection. you're all better off. Yeah, it, it, you can just listen instead of having to see my ugly face. There you go. Uh, defense. I was negative yeah. on the offense in a weird way. I'm positive about the defense. I don't know if that's backwards or whatever from what everybody else is. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like coming off this game, everybody was talking a lot about the offense and I, I definitely feel a lot more positive about the defense for the most part. It's the fact that they found that formula again, right. Of playing zone coverage disguising rotating the safeties post snap using McCordy, Duggar and Phillips and that versatility to do some different things. Two of those interceptions solely came off of disguise, right? Trevor Lawrence didn't know where to go with the football because the picture changed on him from the pre-snap picture of two high or one high to rotating it into one high is basically what they were doing, you know, starting two high rotate one high and he threw two interceptions because of that. Miles Bryant's pick and Kyle Duggar's pick, obviously. And I look at this AFC, and I look at these quarterbacks that the Patriots could go up against, uh, Burrow, Allen, Mahomes. None of these guys are Tom Brady or Drew Brees or, or Peyton Manning or these cerebral quarterbacks, right? I mean, they're, none of these guys are guys that I think are, I guess, you know, uh, not prone to being duped by some post exotic coverage rotations after the snap. I don't look at any of those players as uh, super cerebral quarterbacks that you can't fool, that you can't trick, that you can't disguise. So to me, that is the nuts and bolts of this Patriots defense this season. 
is when they are in that bag of what are we in? You don't know what we're in. We're going to rotate it this way. We're going to rotate it that way. Uh, definitely has given quarterbacks a whole lot of problems, both experienced quarterbacks, younger quarterbacks. Uh, if they played the Bengals, I think that that would give Joe, Joe Burrow some issues. I really do. I, I think it'd be a lot more dangerous against a guy like Joe Burrow than trying to play man to man against Jamar Chase. Right. I I think that that's a terrible idea. So this disguise in the zone covering the back end, that's where the Patriots need to live. And at least they got back to that. I thought fundamentally with the defense this week. Yeah. And it's a good point because you look at it, whether it's the Bengals or the chargers in the playoffs who have young quarterbacks, uh, whether it's Indianapolis or Buffalo who have quarterbacks that are prone to mistakes. Uh, yeah, I, I think the seeing that the Patriots can still dial up that level of of disguise, which isn't easy to. It's not as easy as making the call. You have to have players who know how to make it work, and a lot of it is just cheating one way and going back the other. You have to be athletic enough to make that happen. Um, so to see that they're still able to do that is obviously very encouraging, especially heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I think that that's really the biggest encouragement sign in terms of going back to the original point of the show of what's replicable and what's effective element that they can take on from this game the zone coverage and the disguising and the interchangeability of those three safeties that to me has to be their defensive identity especially in the back end is being able to go from different coverage shells confusing quarterbacks giving them pause and just making them read through a full field progression and try to get to different things oh you know I'm reading my two high beater, but actually it's one high. So now I have to get over here and read that side instead. Now I'm too late to the dig or now I'm too late to this route. I look at this team personnel wise and years past, they might be able to man up against some of these offenses, but we just mentioned a lot of the younger quarterbacks or the quarterbacks that are prone to mistakes that are in this AFC playoff field. There's also a lot of talent at receiver in this field, right? If they go up against KC or Buffalo or Cincinnati, uh, which are the three most likely opponents that they would play, they're going to play some real talent at the receiver position. And whether it's Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey or Jamar Chase and Boyd and Higgins and those guys in Cincinnati or Diggs and company in Buffalo going man to man and playing straight up against those teams. I don't think the Patriots have the horses to do it this year. Years past and they had Gilmore and Jackson and Jay McCourty and uh, John Jones and all these other players. They could do that. Now I just don't see them being able to do it. So I'm glad that the coaches are, at least hopefully discovering that that's the way they got to play this year. And Duggar in particular right. is a player I wanted to bring up, Alex. I know Philip signs the extension. I'm glad, you know, glad he's sticking around. But Duggar, I think, played a tremendous game on Sunday and really feels like he's underrated, uh, under the radar in a way because of all the rookie performances, is having a very, very strong second season for the Patriots. Yeah, I thought that pick he had was just a great show of growth, right? He he basically read the play before Trevor Lawrence did. Yeah. He kind of figured out, he made all the reads, he figured out where Lawrence was going with the ball before Lawrence was, and he's able to jump in front uh, and pick that off. I thought that, you know, that's a good, and that's what you're looking for with these guys. It's not necessarily are they playing well, but are they growing? Are they playing better? And I think yeah. Duggar's a guy who over the course of the year, you haven't just seen him play well, but you've seen him play better than he played last year, particularly, you know, from a football IQ point of view. And that's the thing with these young guys. There's no question about Duggar's physicality and his instincts and all of that, right? It's just, you know, how can he add, once he starts to learn the NFL game more, how can he add to that? And you've seen him add to it. 
Yeah, I think he's really improved in every facet of the game. I know Bill Belichick often toes that company line at us a lot, right? Oh, this young player has really improved in every area. Duggar truly feels like a guy that's improved in every single area. He He's a better zone coverage defender now. He's a better man coverage defender now. He made a great tackle in the hole on a bat on the backside on a cutback on outside zone against Jacksonville as well. Where if he doesn't make that tackle in the hole, there's nobody else there, right? That that run might go for 70 yards. I mean, maybe not with Jacksonville's running backs, but with a better running back in the playoffs, that that play goes for 70. So you see the full game coming together. I truly feel like for Kyle Duggar and people that I think uh, talk about him struggling in man, uh, conveniently forget the the Atlanta game with Kyle Pitts, right? I mean, he, he absolutely locked down Kyle Pitts for that game as well. So I think he's better in all facets of the game and a really impressive player. And somebody that I think is low key making this leap uh, in his second season. And another uh, two other guys that I think are younger guys, that got some run in this game that people are talking a lot about now, Alex, are, are Chase Winovich and Josh Uche. And why they've been phased out of the defense, should they be phased out of the defense going forward, or do the Patriots – should the Patriots play Uche and Winovich more in the playoffs? I think we understand from a football perspective. I think with Winovich, there's definitely some personality traits that they don't love about Chase Winovich is a big reason why he's not playing. But in terms of football fit – you can understand that those two dudes are, are not edge setters, right? They're, they're not edge right. setters. They're not those disciplined football players out there. They're not going to just collapse the pocket and contain the quarterbacks and uh, set the edge against the run. They're going to try to get up the field and make plays behind the line of scrimmage. So from a schematic fit sense, I, we, you can understand why they're not playing. But at the same time, if you go up against, and we keep on rattling off these quarterbacks, Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, whoever it ends up being, having some guys out there that are athletic and play fast is not necessarily a terrible thing because we saw last week against Buffalo when they have Dante Hightower and Kyle Van Noy and Jawan Bentley. And these are the guys that are trying to run around with Josh Allen. It didn't look so hot. And if you pull off some of these players and you put some of the younger guys with some good play speed on the field, who knows, maybe those plays shrink a little bit faster for Josh Allen. Maybe guys are on him a little bit quicker. Maybe Uche's explosiveness and athleticism helps him spy a guy like Josh Allen a little bit better than somebody like a Juwan Bentley or a Hightower could. So in some ways, I think they might need that athleticism in the front seven during the playoffs. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't disagree. I think they're more worried about contain and yeah. I get why they are, but the reality is even with the guys out there who are contained first guys, they're like, they weren't containing Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen kept rolling out. So yeah. at a certain point, I think you need to try something different and maybe that's an adjustment they would make for that next matchup. Um, against a guy like Burrow, I don't know as much, uh, but I think against Mahomes or Allen, yeah, it might help to have that athleticism out there on the field. The other thing they could do is instead of playing those guys over the edge, put them in the middle, right? They right. did that with Chase Winovich against Lamar Jackson last year, which is obviously a different situation, but it's a game plan I wouldn't hate seeing come back against a quarterback yeah. like that. Yeah, I could definitely see because if you're playing, a, like, for example, if you're playing Buffalo again and you want to use Duggar on Dawson Knox and you don't right. want to use yeah. Duggar and you want Duggar and Phillips to be playing robber zones and playing the tight end and things like that, and you don't necessarily want to dedicate those players to being spies on Josh Allen, then somebody like Uche might be your best bet out of that linebacker group 
to run sideline to sideline and chase and tackle a guy like Josh Allen in space. How many times have we seen when he's had opportunities to play last year or at times earlier this season, Josh UJ make a terrific play in space, right? Where he just comes right at, from the other side of the field and chases guys down and makes tackles that Jawan Bentley simply just can't make, right? And and, and right. make those types of plays. That I, I think is a, a big uh I guess something they got to think about is a, is a good way of putting it because you go up against Kansas city, you're going to have to use those safeties on Travis Kelsey. They're going to have a lot of on their plate with Hill and Kelsey and bracketing those players, playing those players straight up man to man with the tight end, things like that. You're not going to be able to just use those dudes in the box to, to shadow Patrick Mahomes and, and uh, spy Patrick Mahomes. You got to get some more speed on the field at linebacker in some of these matchups. And maybe Josh Uche is the answer to that. Winovich, I think on third down, definitely brings more juice to the pass rush at this stage than Hightower and Van Noy do. You know, those guys are are fundamental position sound players, physical players. A lot of good things I could say about both of those dudes. But when it's third down and the Patriots just have to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback on third and 10, they're better off with guys like Winovich and Uche in that package. They, they're Those are more explosive rushers. Uh, they're more you know, they're just more explosive. They, they had, they bring more to the table in that, that vein. So I would be interested to see if maybe in some of these matchups in the playoffs to generate more of a rush, to have some more speed on the field, to do all those types of things that maybe those two guys do play a little bit more the second time around, if they play Buffalo or if they play Mahomes or something like that. I mean, we know there needs to be an adjustment, right? We talked about this yeah. after the Bills game. There was no adjustments, and that was a big part of the problem, and I think that's a, a good place to start in terms of adjustments. Yeah. All right. Uh, what was the other thing on defense I wanted to talk about? Jalen Mills. I, I wanted to bring this up. I know it's Jacksonville. I know it's the Jaguars. Uh, Jalen Mills had a good game. Jalen Mills, again, blanking his guy in coverage. I think we talked a lot about man coverage earlier in the show. I think Mills has a lot of the versatility of some of those other defensive backs, right? He can play a little bit in the middle of the field and he can play on the outside. So you can do some fun things with him. He can rotate back. He can rotate into the middle of the field into a a middle hook or something like that, or he can play the flat or he can play the deep third. He's another player that I I find interesting because he's had his ups and downs. Certainly this year, Uh, the CD land game was, was not good. Not good for for Jalen Mills. But where's your comfort level right now with Jalen Mills as CB2 behind J.C. Jackson? Are you comfortable going into the postseason with him as the other guy on the outside with J.C.? Yeah, I mean, I think that's as good as you're going to get, right? Yeah. I, I wonder if Mills' long-term spot is at safety. This is a bigger picture question, but if Devin yeah. McCourty retires, do they have truly that next free safety on the roster? I think Mills might be the closest thing. Um, but yeah, he's been, he's been playing well. Generally, we, I, we haven't said his name in a few weeks and that's, that's, you know, a good thing for a corner. So yeah, I think he's been playing well. We'll see when they get a tougher test, but yeah, um, another good game for him. I also wonder if they play Buffalo again, is that matchup from a defensive back standpoint, completely different. I, I is miles Bryan even a factor in that game plan the second time around or third time around, I suppose. Right. And in, in terms of, does Jalen Mill? Uh, let, let's say it's Isaiah McKenzie back in the slot, or if, even if it's Cole Be- Beasley. Does Jalen Mills get that matchup the second time, the third time? I keep saying second, the third time around, and he should. and they move him inside. Maybe Jawan Williams is finally active for a game and gets to play more on the boundary, or maybe it's uh, Sean Wade gets to play in that game. 
I feel like if they play one of these teams again and they do want to play some man coverage, uh, they're going to have to really think about Miles Bryant and where they're going to put him and if he's even going to be a part of the game plan as as a primary man coverage defender because teams are going to consistently go after him, regardless of who it is. If it's Casey and he's on a McCole Hardman or uh, if it's Cincinnati and he's got to get uh, Boyd, I mean, come on, right? I mean, that's not a great matchup for the Patriots at all. So uh, we'll see. I, I agree with that uh, in the chat. Uh, Jalen Mills does remind you a little bit of Jason McCourty, doesn't he? A little not, bit, yeah. Not, not, yeah. The, not like the most elite cover guy, but does the job and does it well and plays multiple spots, a smart guy, instinctive, all that kind of stuff. A little Jason McCourty in him. I mean, I think that's the ideal role for him, right? I, right. I don't think the ideal role is him being the true number two outside corner. I think it's kind of moving him around all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, last thing about the defense, and then we got to talk about your special teams because we got we got out that com- your special teams. That's what I'm calling it. All right. Matthew Judon plays 11 snaps in this game. I asked him after the game. He gave me, I'm a football player. I want to play. thought it was a good answer. But I, I think this is a blessing in disguise in a way that Matthew Judon doesn't have to play that much down the stretch. You look at the Buffalo game, 38 pass rush opportunities, one hurry the entire game. That was it. They were chipping him. They were sliding to him. They had, he was going up against Deion Dawkins a lot of that game, who's a good left tackle but he was not getting close to the quarterback in that game. And the indie game, less opportunities, obviously with them only dropping back to pass so many times, but still not a whole lot of pressure from Judon. We know he started hot. He played well for what, 10, 12, 13 weeks or whatever it was, but has really cooled off. I don't know if he's injured. I don't know if he was already feeling COVID symptoms or something like that against Buffalo the second time, but at the, I think that this game, Judon essentially being able to take the game off, and I hope they gave him the game off against Miami too. I think that's a really good good thing for the Patriots. I think a healthy and fresh Matthew Judon uh, rushing whoever they play in, on Wild Card Weekend is exactly what they need. Yeah, it sounded like he might have just been a little gassed from COVID based on what he said, and I agree. I think if you can get him rested, get him right, he, they need him in the playoffs one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, they, he needs a big showing in the playoffs. He needs to get back to the guy he was early in the season. So I, I agree with you. I think if they can kind of get him some rest, um, I'd still play him. I don't want him to, I wouldn't want him to get rusty, but I think another like 15 snap game uh, is probably the best bet for him in Miami. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Your special teams. Yep. You're, you're, taking, special teams. you're, you're, you're taking this one. Okay. 21st in DVOA, Alex on special teams, 21st, the Patriots, 21st, a team that invests a lot of, Money, a lot of draft capital on special teams has been spent there. What's going on? Where, where, because it's not just one thing, right? There's punts being blocked. Now the extra point operation last week was an absolute mess. It's one thing when they're winning 50 to nothing against Jacksonville, it doesn't matter, right? But you get, we saw the indie game. You get a punt blocked in the playoff game. All of a sudden the whole game changes. You miss an extra point in a playoff game. All of a sudden, the whole game changes. Are we blaming Cam Accord? Are we blaming the players? I mean, where's what's going on with special teams? Because right now, this is not the product that we are accustomed to seeing from the New England Patriots. Yeah, look, I love Cam Accord. I think he's I I, I think he's a total football guy, and I love that. But when it's all the different, it's all these different phases of special teams that are struggling. You kind of got to look at who's putting it together, right? So yeah. you can't say that they don't have the bodies because they have more 
players dedicated solely to special teams than anybody else on the roster than any other team in the league. Yeah. And it, like you said, it's like, if it's one thing you look at, all right, maybe it's a personnel issue. If it's just a punt blocks, if it's just a field goal blocks, all right, maybe it's a personnel issue, but it's multiple things. So you kind of got to look at who's putting it together. And I'm not saying that means that Cam Accord's like a bad coach or he needs to go, right. but I, you know, special teams court, when you coordinate the offense, you coordinate the offense, right? You know, you're yeah. kind of, and there, you got to work on the run game and the pass game and this and that, but you're kind of working with one unit. Cam Accord's working, you know, the kickoff unit, and the punt unit, that's two completely different units. It's two completely different things that he's working with. I don't, I actually, they do have a special teams assistant coach, Joe Houston. So yeah, I don't know if it's yeah. something as simple as he's overworked, but that's, that's kind of what I look at. Special teams is, there's a lot of hats to wear when you're the yes. special teams coordinator. There's a lot going on. I've uh, honestly, just like side note, I've always been surprised that it's just one. Yeah. And maybe this most is where most the assistants teams, come in, but. Yeah, most teams do have, and it's like a, like a Joe Houston or when Joe Judge was a special teams coordinator here, Cam Accord was his assistant special teams right. coordinator. So I think the Patriots usually see, have multiple me, layers. Like I'm saying, if it was me, I would probably have a kickoff coordinator. Who yeah. just works on kickoffs and returns. Like I would have three coaches. I would yeah. have a kickoff coordinator, a a punt coordinator, and a field goal coordinator. And I'd basically yeah. have one guy who's set on designing both sides of the ball, designing the looks for each of those individual units. And yeah. clearly, clearly, guys can do all three. It's been done. I just I've always been a little like shout out to special teams coaches. I you know they do a yeah. ton. I was good, kind of been surprised it's like that. There's um. You know, a lot of people talk about with special teams coordinators that that's probably the best preparation that you can have for being a head coach in the NFL is having to coach special teams because you really learn the entire roster and you really learn the domino effect of if one of my guys gets hurt that plays on four or five different units, I have to replace it with potentially four or five different guys right and you kind of right. learn the entire roster uh one for 53 and one to 46 on game day and you have to really study the ins and outs of everybody's strengths and weaknesses and be on your game another thing i would throw out there hasn't been the best year for jake bailey either uh, a regression no, year for him been. after after the all pro season a year ago is that i know jake bailey's been on and off the report maybe that's something that is more physical than anything else but Punting is rhythmic, right? Like any type of kicking. Right. Once you're in a funk, you're in a funk. And I don't know. Cam Accord is one of my favorite people to talk to when we talk to him. It's patently obvious that the guy loves football. He's extremely passionate. Uh, he knows the ins and outs of the kicking game like no other. You can ask him a question about any facet of the kicking game, and he gives great answers, detailed answers. Uh, clearly, is a student of the game, loves it, uh, breathes it, and is a very passionate coach. I think he's a good football coach, but if whether he's in over his head or there's elements of it that he's not coaching particularly well technique-wise, I don't know what it is, but way too many mistakes up and down the special teams this year, and Something tells me, I hope I'm wrong, but something tells me that this is going to come out, come back to bite them big time in a big spot here in, in January, right? And, and it might have already done it, right? Losing to Indianapolis kind of what was it was a really big step backwards for the team. So maybe that was sort of the big spot that it cost them the most, right? It is, is losing right. the momentum of that game and all that kind of stuff. But something to monitor. I, I do wonder if they, because Joe Houston, I, not that he can't help out in other areas, but I'm pretty sure he's a kicking specialist, right? He's somebody that yeah. they 
bring into work with the with the kickers specifically. Maybe they got to groom somebody else to be a assistant cam accord that is helping him with the coverages and the holds and other stuff, right? all the other stuff that goes into special teams. Well, I'll give you one more note just on Bailey because we're talking about that. Um, yeah. Bill Belichick uses when, – when they do end-of-year evaluations, right, and part of that goes into decisions they make in the future, they, they heavily weigh the end of the year. They consider what you did at the end of the year a lot more than what you did at the beginning of the year. It's a big stretch here for Jake Bailey because, like you said, he hasn't played well this year. Next year is going to be the final year of his contract. He only has $72,000 in dead cap. And the Patriots yeah. have never had a kicker play under a second contract in the Bill Belichick, or a punter, sorry, play under a second contract in the Bill Belichick era. Ryan Allen got a second contract, but then was cut. Um, and then this year's punting class happens to be a very good one, highlighted by the punt god, Matt Areza, who I think I've talked about on the show. If I haven't yet, we're going to talk about him a ton in the spring. I promise you that. Evan, you're going to deal with it. I'm going to get you on the bandwagon. Um, yeah. Anyway, the point being, Jake Bailey, it, it, he he needs to show something here because there's a yeah. lot of incentive and the historical contact. There's a lot of incentive for the Patriots to move on from him after this year, and the historical context tells us something that's something they might consider. So I think he's got to really show something here, you know, in this final game and then in the playoffs. Yeah, I I, I agree. I concur. Okay, so uh, moving on to Miami, we're gonna preview the Dolphins later on in the week. I watched that game against Tennessee. I think two is broken, Alex. I, I don't. I think he might be broken. I, I don't know if there's any fixing him at this point. He looks like what is he? 25, 26 years old. He looks he's like he's younger. ninety. He looks like he's ninety years old moving out there. No zip on the ball whatsoever. I I can't believe he threw a deep ball to Jalen Waddle that was completed at 44, 45 yard pass. I can't believe he got it there. I was shocked when I when I saw that it got there. It was an arm punt, right? It, it was one of those big teardrop throws, but he did get it there. I was I was stunned. He had one throw where he rolled to his left, his arm side, because he's a lefty, and he had a wide open receiver in the flat, and he threw it at his feet. I mean, there's just no velocity on the ball. People talk about Mac Jones having a noodle arm. Go watch Tua. I mean, it's it's bad. Everything's right at the line of scrimmage and essentially what they're running in Miami now offensively is an option offense where they're trying to win with a lot of smoke and mirrors right at the line of scrimmage. Uh, who's getting the ball, uh, who, who's, uh, who's pulling, who's moving, who's uh, Jalen Waddle's going over here. The tight ends going over there and they're trying to win with smoke and mirrors offensively. It worked during their winning streak, I suppose, because their defense was dominating, but that offense is even uh, way, way, way more limited when what the Patriots bring to the table. And they have Jalen Waddle. They they have Devontae Parker. Uh, they have guys that can get up the field, and they, they just can't. So I'm not too uh, worried about this game at all for the Patriots against Miami, to be honest with you. I think Tennessee gave them a pretty good blueprint on offense, uh, being able to run the ball against Miami. Uh, some of the design rollout pockets that they used when they saw Miami was going to bring pressure to give Ryan Tannehill some more time. I think that they can mix and match this uh, pretty easily against the Dolphins. And the only reason why I worry about this game whatsoever is because of where it's played, right? And and that's really just about it. I, I think the Dolphins are toast other than that. Yeah, I feel bad for Tua because he's so talented in Alabama. Like, if you want, he's not the same player now. He had that hip injury his last year, and I think that 
you know, when you throw a football, it's, it's all, it all comes from your legs, right? Anybody who's thrown anything, whether it's a football or a baseball, it comes from your legs, it comes from your base and you transfer all that through your hips. So I think right now he's just throwing with his top half. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like. That's what it's felt like since he had that hip injury. And yeah, that was a couple of years ago. You kind of hoped maybe eventually he, he at least adjust his throwing motion to overcome it. And if it hasn't happened yet, it just feels like it's not going to happen. So I don't, I don't think two is not talented. I think he's incredibly naturally gifted. Um, I, I don't even entirely fault the dolphins for that pick. You know, I, should their medical team have done a better job? Probably, but the upside was tremendous. I mean, I think he, I, I thought he was a better prospect than Burrow. If we're, if we're just straight up picking the quarterback and I know no, when I watch college prospects, I know nothing about their medicals, right? I'm not a doctor. Right. I don't have access to their medical information. So I'm strictly grading the tape. And anybody that graded the tape in that draft class and thought that Justin Herbert was a better prospect coming out than Tua is lying to themselves. Nobody right. thought that at the time. Nobody. If you watch Tua at Alabama and Hor- Herbert at Oregon, nobody had it that Herbert should have gone over Tua. Now, when you throw into the medicals, that's a different conversation. Right. And maybe that's what the Dolphins missed. You know, shout out to the Dolphins for screwing up a medical report. Not the first time they yeah, that. Yeah, right. Crazy. But, yeah, I, I feel bad for the guy because he was – and maybe I'm a little biased in this being an Alabama fan. But, I, you know, from coming in for, in the national championship game for Jalen Hurts and then that year he had, he was just such an easy guy to root for. He's a ton of fun to watch play. I don't know that there's another quarterback that played the game exactly the way he played it when he was healthy. So – the guys, I just looked up how old he is. I had it right here. Um, where'd it go? The guy is 23 years old. Yeah. And we're talking about him like, I mean, the guy's 23 years old and we're talking about him like he's Ben Roethlisberger right now. Right? It's great. Right. He is Ben Roethlisberger. You know, based right. on the difference is Ben's what, 38? Yeah. You know. Tua is 23-year-old Ben Roethlisberger that has embraced the option offense. Ben hates the RPOs and stuff right. like that. He's talked about it. Tua has at least embraced the fact that he can't throw the ball down the field, so they have to win with this a lot of motion and different things yeah. going on behind the line of scrimmage. It's just it's just sad because he's incredibly talented and will never, you know, a great what-could-have-been kind of guy. Yeah, and um, that the Patriots have had some problems with that in the past, right? They're not, they're not oblivious to having issues with RPOs and – uh, some of those scheme plays behind the line of scrimmage and guys, you know, motioning out into flats on motion and catching balls on the run and things like that. That's given the Patriots some problems in the in the past, but I think that those offenses that have given them problems have made them respect the traditional passing game a little bit more than what Miami is going to. So they should be able to key on some of that stuff. Any hope whatsoever, and we can talk about this a little bit uh, next uh, next show as well, any hope whatsoever that the Jets – do the Patriots a solid and pull off an upset in Orchard Park. Any hope whatsoever. Yeah, love the Jets. Great organization. <laughs> excellently run. I think they made the right pick with Zach Wilson. Um, all, all of that. I think that they're on they're right on, on the right track. And this could be the game they need to break out. So go Jets. Love the Jets. Fireman Ed never abandoned that team. Uh, not once. I'm all for the Jets. No, I um yeah, I think so. Look, the Jets have been like sneaky decent the last couple of weeks. They yeah. played Tampa tough. Granted, Tampa, and you'd say, oh, well, Tampa yeah. had to deal with the distraction. Tampa made their run after A.B. left. Yeah. When A.B. was still in the game, the Jets were playing them tough. And the Bills, you know, I had a Bills fan text me that the numbers lie about Josh Allen's performance last week. No, they don't. Under 50% through three picks. He was ass. 
Yeah. And outside of the Patriots game, he really hasn't looked good the second half of the season. So would I, you know what? I'm not putting any big money on the jets to win, but stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. I think you have a bad team that's playing well against a good team. That's been inconsistent. That kind of can set up an upset. So I'm not ruling it out. Jets ran the ball really well against Tampa. Well, what's the weakness of the Bills? Didn't the Jets almost beat the Bills in the first matchup? Did they? Uh, They ran the ball really well against Tampa. 150 yards as a team, uh, 5.8 yards per carry, two touchdowns on the ground. Zach Wilson can scramble a little bit. That no, interior... the Jets got sorry. The Jets got their doors blown off. Yeah, I thought they lost by a lot. Uh, the interior of the Jets' offensive line, in particular, Elijah Vera Tucker has been a great draft pick for them. Uh, they have been able to run the ball in recent week. Michael Carter, a really good rookie running back for New York. They've been able to run the ball uh, for the last couple of weeks, the last month or so. No, right? Hey, you never know what could happen, but I'm not counting on it by any means. All right, last two quick ones here. First and foremost, uh, what's your favorite matchup on paper for the Patriots in the playoffs really quickly in terms of who they could draw? Um, I think the most favorable matchup is probably the Chargers. That means they won the division, right? So, yeah. um, you know, if I'm looking at it, if they win the division, I'll take the Raiders or the Chargers. I think the Patriots should be heavily favored against either of those teams. Um, the Colts give me some pause. Not a ton. They got to come to Foxborough, but we know a good ground game can kind of transfer in the cold. Uh, then, I, then I honestly, I'd probably rather play. And then, you know, we're getting in wild card situations where they're the wild card team going on the road. Um, yeah. I think I'd rather play the Bengals than the Bills because of what we talked about earlier. I just like Bill against the young quarterback. Um, yeah. Bill's and Zach like Taylor, a, Bill against Zach Taylor is a huge mismatch. If we're, yeah. Sorry, Craigs, but I mean, so is Bill versus Sean McDermott, or at least it should be. It wasn't week 16. Not as, be. not as big as Zach Taylor. Cause Zach Taylor's yeah. never coached in the postseason. You know, okay. Sean McDermott's so, at least been there a little bit. I, I am worried. The Bengals got a ton of good receivers and the Patriots have struggled against that. Um, they yeah. really got to kind of screw with the, um, you know, with, with Joe Burrow, if they want to win that game, but Sure. It's it's kind of crazy, and I guess it, it is surprising, but it shouldn't be surprising the difference in quality opponent if the Patriots win the division versus they get the wild card. So uh I, I don't know with the Bills too. I just can Josh Allen play another perfect game against the Patriots? Yeah. And he didn't even really play a perfect game last time. JC Jackson bailed him out. That's yeah. what it comes down to for me. I don't think Burrow's gonna play a perfect game against the Patriots. We've seen Josh Allen do it. Can he do it again? Is the question yeah. for me. I like the Bengals. I, I think that their their receiving core does scare me. Jamar Chase would scare anybody watching how good he's played this year and how good he's played of late. But I like the angle of Belichick against the young quarterback in Burrow. It's Burrow's first taste of the playoffs, and it's his first taste of Belichick. He's never gone up against either one of those odds before, right? And Zach Taylor versus Bill seems like a huge mismatch as well. I mean, that that's... That's as big of a, of a discrepancy as I think it would get at that level in the playoffs. Last but not least, everybody in the chat is asking me, who is the wide receiver that you and I want the Patriots to go after in the offseason to give Mac Jones his wide receiver one? Give me a name, Alex. So I'll give you one in free agency, one in the draft. Uh, okay. My free agency receiver is Chris Godwin. I think if you're going to go yeah. big, go big. Right. Um, in the home. draft, assuming he comes out, it's Wandale Robinson. 
Yeah. I'm, it's like 50-50 on if he will or if he won't. So I'm really trying not to get my hopes up. Um, If he doesn't, Jahan Dotson, maybe Drake London. Like, I really like Drake London, but he's also kind of one of those, like, bigger physical receivers that they just don't have a ton of success. Like, I like Drake London for in general. I don't know if I love him for the Patriots. I have to do a little more. So, uh, yeah. uh, Wandale Robinson, if he comes out, if not Jahan Dotson. I think Alave, a lot of people said Alave. He's good. Uh, I've actually seen these two names in the chat today. Alave's going to be off the board. Should be off the board by the time the Patriots pick. Absolutely. Um, and Traylon Burks, I really like Traylon Burks as a player. I really do. But guess yeah. who he has the exact same physical makeup as? Nikhil Harry. Yeah. If no. the Patriots I'm draft Traylon Burks, they're just taking a mulligan on Nikhil Harry. That's all that pick is. Okay. So free agency on Goodwin. I think he's a perfect fit. He's essentially played in the offense already for a couple of years now with Brady. So it should be a pretty easy transition for him. And he gives them a guy out of the slot that can eat, that can just go. One of the biggest problems I think with this Patriots offense right now, and it's not necessarily that I hate Jacoby Myers. Or I think he's a bad football player. Alex, Jacoby Myers is 107 targets and under 700 receiving yards this year. That's hard to do. If you have over yeah. hundred targets and you're not on pace for a thousand yards in a 17 game season, that is difficult to do. So the Patriots have to get somebody that's more efficient out of the slot. They have to get somebody that produces more yards out of the slot. Chris Godwin is definitely one of those players. I'm all for that. If they go the draft route. I think Jamison Williams is probably going to be gone before they can pick him. He's somebody that brings that speed element and that explosiveness element that they probably uh, haven't had in, I don't know, God knows how long, right? Probably like Randy Moss. I mean, I guess Brandon Cooks, but Cooks was more of a vertical speed guy. Just talking about somebody that has the ball in their hands and can take off like, uh, like uh, Jamison Williams can. But I've really liked Chris Olave for a long time since last year, watching him in the playoff. He's somebody that reminds me a ton of Justin Jefferson. And you know how much I love Justin Jefferson, but that ability a smooth route running ability, separation ability. I think that him and Mac Jones would make beautiful music together because that's a player that can get open, that understands how to get open off leverage, that's very crafty in the middle of the field, very smooth route runner, easy transitions out of his breaks, and Mac Jones is going to put the ball on him accurately, and I think those guys would put up huge numbers together. So if I – I want to take a mulligan on Justin Jefferson, right? They they were one pick away from being able right. to draft Justin Jefferson. I feel like Chris Olave is a very similar type of player as Justin Jefferson. Jefferson went, I think it was 22 or 23 to Minnesota in that 22. draft. So I don't think it's totally out of the realm that the Patriots could be picking 20th or 21st and have a chance at Chris Olave. I mean, there's a lot of really good receivers in this class. So not all of them are going to go top 15. Somebody is going to trickle in. I mean, C.D. Lamb went, what, 19 or 18 to Dallas? I mean, it's possible. You want, you want what the consensus is right now? Yes. Tell me where right. Chris Olave is going right now. So right now, oh, okay, uh, NFL Mock Draft Database has Chris Olave going 21st. That's So they the have Garrett Wilson going 11th. They have no receivers in the top 10. They have Garrett, and this, by the way, they this is the consensus. All the major right. mock it's drafts that have been done, right. this is the consensus of all the mock drafts. They have... Garrett, or sorry, they have Garrett Wilson going 13th. They have him ranked as the 11th player. They have him going 13th. They have Jamison Williams going 15th. They have Olave going 20th. They have Traylon Burks going 23rd to the Patriots, of course. Uh, yeah. They have Drake London going 18th to Vegas. This isn't exactly in order. And they have Jahan Dotson going 27th to the Cowboys. Smooth operator, 
Chris Olave, he's going to be in the range. I think he's going to be right there. And the two guys that he reminds me a lot of are two guys that I know for a fact the Patriots really liked in their respective drafts, and that is Calvin Ridley and Justin Jefferson, right? Really similar type type of players, guys that are just crafty, smooth, excellent separators, explosive out of the slot, can move them inside or outside, play from different alignments, but really is going to eat between the numbers on those in-breaking routes and compliments off of those. That's that's my guy. If I had to take a pick right now, Chris Olave, we're both on, in lockstep. If they can get their hands on Chris Godwin, that's a no-brainer. Alex and I will definitely have a lot more receiver talk, draft talk, all of that coming up once the Patriots season comes to an end. But I wanted to give you a few names there because I don't know about you, Alex, but everybody's blowing me up asking me who the guy is that I would want for the Patriots to go after. So I figured we'd give a few names at the end of the show. I will be back at the end of the week to preview Patriots Dolphins. That is now Sunday at 425. I saw somebody mention that in the chat. We found that out the other day. The Patriots will play the Dolphins at 425. The Bills and the Jets will also play at 425. So no buy around 730, 8 o'clock on Sunday night, who the Patriots are playing in the first round, I believe, right? The Sunday night football game is uh that's an AFC game, isn't it? Actually, I take that back. Yeah, sorry. What you cut out there? What was that? The Sunday night football game, I I, I forget which if that's an AFC it's, game. That's that's the game that could be. So it's it's Raiders that Chargers. Neil, that, that could be the Neil Bowl, right? It could be the so the problem is yeah. the Raiders might be in, or I think it's the Chargers. Might there's a chance the Chargers are in either way. The Raiders yeah. are the only team that needs so the Chargers can still knock the Raiders out. Which if there's anything left to the rivalry, then there you go. So yeah. what we need is a game where both teams get in with a tie. Neither team gets in with a win. That's what we really need. Cause that yeah. would be the Neil Bowl. So we don't, we won't, we might know by the time that those two games are over bills, Patriots games, but we might not depending on uh, right. how things are taking out uh, in the uh, FC playoffs. But I believe if the bills win and the Patriots win, then that matchup is probably going to be locked in just because then the that one, as long as the right? Bengals win, as long as the Bengals win, but they're, they're facing uh, uh case Keenum. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Baker in the early win. window, I believe. Right. So yeah, so, we'll, yeah. We'll, know. we'll know most likely. Yeah. All right. So Alex and I will be back on the show later on in the week to preview Patriots dolphins, talk a lot more about uh, this uh playoff picture and who the Patriots might play and all that good stuff as well. And then week 18 after week 18, Alex, we're finally onto the postseason. The Patriots will have a playoff game right here on Patriots beat. We will have multiple shows during the Patriots playoff week going into wild card weekend. If the Patriots play the Bengals, we're definitely going to have Mike Petraglia on the show and we're going to talk some Bengals with tracks as well. So I, I hope that that's the matchup from a personal level, from a Patriot yeah. fan level. Definitely rooting for Patriots Bills, but I think it'd be a lot of fun to play the Bengals as well. And we would have great coverage here on Patriots Beat for that game with two guys, me and Trags, both working that game for CLNS Media. So keep it right here for all your Patriots playoff coverage. And Alex and I will be back later in the week to preview Pat's Dolphins. Thanks so much for watching, guys, and for bearing with my terrible internet connection that decided to make me all blurry today. We'll get that fixed for next time. But until next time, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody.